Anyway, Acts chapter 27 tonight. Acts chapter 27. We are almost done with the book of Acts. And this particular chapter we're getting ready to look at, There's uh, this is not a uh, doctrinally rich chapter like a lot of the other ones that we've looked at. Um, but it's basically just giving details about a dangerous voyage that Paul was on. And it is a, a neat story. And it is uh, an amazing story that uh, just one of the great, uh, or one of the many perils that the Apostle Paul went through. And what he had to deal with here, it's kind of hard for us to imagine. Most of us probably haven't traveled too many places by ship, especially uh, a ship like back in those days. Nowadays, people, if they go on ship, it's like a cru- fancy cruise liner or something like that. But uh, that was not how it was back then. But there are some great lessons that we can learn from this. So this is going to be kind of more of a preaching message. And we're going to, but we're going to go through this story. We're going to look at some things that we notice with Paul. And I want to talk about continuing your mission through storms. Because what we're going to see that I think is very inspirational in this chapter is the Apostle Paul, he is on his way to go basically be tried by Caesar. He's going to go and he's been falsely accused of things that the things he's even being accused of should not have even gone to a civil court, but yet because the Jews were so determined to kill him, because the authorities that were there in Israel who weren't Jews were just too cowardly to do the right thing, here he has to go on this long, treacherous voyage to Rome. I don't know, if this is me, I'm probably going to be having a pretty bad attitude. If this is me, I'm probably going to be wanting bad things to happen to my captors and people who are keeping me captive. But the Apostle Paul, what we're going to see through this story that I think is just amazing, we're going to point out some things, is that Paul stayed focused through the entire thing on his mission, on his life's calling. And Paul's mission was always winning souls. That's what he was all about. And so even in a situation where thinking about souls is actually going to probably put him in greater danger for himself, it just wasn't even a factor. Paul stayed focused through everything. And you know what? We've got to be the same way. You know, we are living in times where you know, things are getting crazier and more difficult, but we cannot lose our focus. It's real easy for us to get distracted by all the wickedness that's going on in the world. And a lot of Christians, sometimes they do, they just kind of check out. They want to just cut themselves off from society. And listen, if you felt that way before, you know, don't feel bad, all right? We've all thought about going and moving out to a compound somewhere or moving to a wilderness and just getting away from all the freaks and weirdos and homos and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we, the world needs us. Our country needs us. People need us. And we can't forget that. And so that means we're going to have to put up with some hardships. We're going to have to deal with some junk. But you know what? The Apostle Paul, I think he sits, sets a great example in this story. So let's go and start reading in verse 1. And we're going to talk about continuing your mission through storms. And it says in verse 1, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And entering into a ship of Dramitium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. Now, the first thing I want to show you is right here, 
Everybody that Paul would stand before knew he wasn't a bad guy. Everyone that would hear what he had to say knew this guy is not worthy of death. He's not worthy of bonds. He hasn't done anything. And the Apostle Paul, he was by just being himself, by just being honest, by not also by not getting a bad attitude because of the circumstances, he was always respectful. Whenever he's standing before guys like Agrippa, whenever he's standing before lost people who were not just people, but he would honor and respect the position that they had. And you know what he did? He always gained favor with them. And we see here in this story that the guy who's kind of in charge of him as a prisoner, Paul gains favor from him. And so when, Paul, when they're in an area where Paul has friends, Julius lets him go and basically refresh himself with his friends. I mean, that's kind of nice. You know, if you're Paul, would you rather stay you know, with all the prisoners chained up to things or would you rather go spend some time with friends that are going to take care of you, that are going to let you be comfortable? But this guy, he trusted Paul. And we see that's how Paul was. Remember the story with the Philippian jailer? When they, I mean, he's free to go. But what does he do? He worries about the jailer and gets that guy saved. Always focused on that mission of I am here not to save my own skin. I'm here to get other people saved from hell. And Paul regularly would endanger himself just not caring. And that's exactly what is going on here. And so he gains favor. But folks, because Paul wasn't thinking about himself, he actually ended up making his life so much easier. See, if it would have been me, and I'm just being honest right now, if it, if it had been me, I'm probably having a bad attitude through a lot of this stuff. You know, I'm probably looking for an opportunity to escape. I mean, folks, is it wrong to escape wicked authorities? I don't think it is. I mean, remember Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse, those me in Judea flee into the mountains. You know, I mean, what? I, I don't think it's wrong to flee. But at the same time, the Apostle Paul, while he wouldn't have been sinning to go on a run, I think Paul, Paul wanted to stand before Caesar. Paul saw it as an opportunity. I'm going to get a platform here. I'm going to get a chance to witness to a whole bunch of people. And he didn't care about his own life. And, and as a result of that, people just trusted him and everything was actually easier for him. So in just, it was like in not looking out for himself, God just said, I'll look out for you. And I believe God affected the hearts of those people that were in charge of Paul. And so, you know, one thing we as Christians sometimes, sometimes Christians do this is, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it's like we think it's a virtue when we are hated by the world. Okay? But again, I get it. Remember what Jesus said, they hate me, they're going to hate you. But the world, if the world hates you, it needs to be because of the message. It needs to be because of Jesus Christ. Not because you're a jerk. And, and, and again, yes, sometimes we are hated because of what we preach. And if that's the case, so be it. We're going to be, we're going to be rewarded because of that. But I am convinced that some Christians are hated because they're idiots. Because they have bad attitudes. Because they treat people terrible. And if you're being hated for those reasons, then you know what? No rewards. Hey, no, no rewards for that. And so you do. Everybody hates me. My family hates me. My neighbors hate me. Yes, and it's, I, I know it's because you're a jerk. But those people, they're always the first ones to claim religious persecution. 
They hated Jesus, that's why they hate us too. Now, that's not the case with you. Okay. But, you know, the, cause, so the, and the, the, the reality is, you know, we should be likable people. People should like us as Christians. And you know what? It, and I've had it happen before where people who knew me, people who liked me, later found out, you know, that I'm this terrible person because of what I believe about the homos and stuff. And you know what? It was always like shocking for them to find that out. Because, in, in, and for a lot of people, it's confusing because it's like, wait, he's a super nice guy. You know, and, and they do, they a lot of times, they hear these things and they, and it, it's confusing for them because in their mind, great guy. But then they hear this other stuff and you know what? Most of the time, people don't change their mind. You know, now they're not going to stick up for you. You know, they're not, you know, they're not going to do that. They're not going to stick up for you. I, I saw it one time, even locally, where some of my former co-workers, I saw some things somebody shared and there was a bunch, bunch of them on there talking about it and they weren't sticking up for me. And I'm like, dude, you, you people know me. You, you always liked me. You always got along good with me. But when they saw that there was like negative stuff, you know, nobody was going to like get themselves in trouble. But at the, at the end of the day, and I've seen some of those people since then and they're always real nice to me. You know why? Because at the end of the day, they know I'm a nice guy. They, and the truth is, people should like you. And Christians sometimes are some of the most unlikable people that there are. And I think that's a shame when that happens. And Paul, it was not like that with Paul. We see Jesus, while he was, before Jesus started preaching, before he started his ministry, the Bible said that he gained favor with men. That's what the Bible says about Samuel. We should be gaining favor with people. You should be gaining favor with your boss where you work because you're a good worker, because you're honest, because you have character, because he can trust you. We should have all these things as Christians. And so try to get along with people. And that's a whole other message right there. But verse 4 says, And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy. And he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmoni. And imagine, too, you know, going long distances like that with only sails back then. You know, where you're kind of at the mercy of the wind. Again, it's hard for us to imagine just how hard that would be. Because, I mean, this is, this is a long distance and they don't have motors and stuff. And so it says in verse 8, And hardly passing it came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lassia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous... Because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. And notice that the Apostle Paul, even though in this situation, isn't it kind of beneficial for you if it turns into chaos? That might give you a chance to escape. But you know what? Paul, he's worried about everybody else. He's like, hey, you know what? We're putting all ourselves in danger. There's going to be great loss if we do this. I don't know. If I'm getting carried on, on a ship as a prisoner, I don't really care if they lose money on that trip. But again, the Apostle Paul, he's not thinking about that. The Apostle Paul just loves people. The Apostle Paul is being good to people. You know why? I think he's hoping for an opportunity to witness to these people. 
And that's, again, that's why we need to be nice to people. You never know when you might knock on their door one of these days. You never, you never know when you might get an opportunity to witness. But many times as Christians, we're not thinking about that. We're, it's not in our head. It's not in the forefront of our mind that I want to get a chance to witness to these people. But Paul was always focused. That was where he was always focused. And so verse 11 says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now, that was a bad idea. The Apostle Paul is more godly. The Apostle Paul has the Holy Ghost. You know, the Apostle, he should have listened to the Apostle Paul, but you know what? He listened to the guy paying the bills. He listened to the owner of the ship. And you know what? The Apostle Paul, though, he didn't let pride get him bent out of shape and lose his compassion. And that's kind of how we are sometimes. We, we get so offended when people don't listen to us. We get so offended when people don't believe something we say. And as a result, we start treating people bad. Preachers are sometimes the worst about this. You know, and I, I know a lot of, there's a lot of preachers that I know that you don't ever want to ask their advice about anything unless you plan to follow it blindly or you're willing to lose the friendship because they get so insulted. One thing that preachers do that is terrible, and I, I hope I've never done this, and I, I try not to do it, but a lot of preachers, when, whenever somebody comes to them for counsel, you know, and they come to them with a difficulty or whatever, they get up and they start, when they, they'll preach places and they'll tell everybody about that situation. They won't say who it is, I had this preacher call me the other day asking my advice, wondering if he should, you know, allow certain type of music in his church. And I say, that stuff's of the devil. You do that. Next thing you know, you're going to have women in britches and NIV Bibles and all this kind of stuff in your church. And he didn't follow my advice. And, you know, he, he gave in to the loudmouth women in the church. And, you know, now, it, you know, and I'm telling you, they, they do that. I, 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 I don't want to get specific. And tell somebody else's story. But I do know of a story where a preacher called a pastor about something very personal. That he was going through, uh, you know, a difficulty in his life. And, you know, he just called him for advice. And, he, you know, and the, he was like nice, compassionate, understanding. He was talking to him. And then he like listened to a sermon that he preached like the very next week. And he was there telling that story. Didn't name the guy. But it was clearly this guy, and he's just bashing him and talking about all these problems this guy had. And it was just like, it just devastated the guy. It's like, you can't do stuff like that. But these preachers do it all the time. And then it do, as soon as you go to them for advice, if you don't follow it blindly, they're not your friend anymore. You know, you're a compromise or whatever. And so that's why I don't ask a lot of guys. You know, when preachers that are like that, they're the last person I'm ever going to go to advice and you know we don't want to be that way if you know if somebody in the church comes to you and they tell you about a problem they or maybe they tell you about a decision they're going to make and you know you maybe and maybe you're right you warn them against something that they're about to do and then they don't make you the authority and the lord of their life and they do and they make that mistake that's not time for you to just go you know rubbing their nose in it time for you to just be treating them like garbage you know what Keep loving them. Keep caring. And you know what? Next time they might listen to you. And the Apostle Paul, we see that even though 
these guys were foolish. And he brings it up later. He's going to say, you know, y'all should have listened to me. But it didn't stop him from caring about these people. It didn't stop him from looking out for them and trying to help them. And I'm telling you, Baptists are really bad about this sometimes. We got to, I, don't, I don't feel like we have this attitude around here, but I've seen it a lot in churches where you do. You People don't follow the advice and then everybody hates them. And I think that's wrong. Don't let, that's just pride getting you bent out of shape. And it causes people to lose their compassion. We don't ever want to lose our compassion for people. Don't lose compassion for your fellow church members. Don't lose compassion for your neighbors. Don't lose compassion for the strangers that are out there. Don't ever lose that. That's very important. Verse 12 says, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to finis, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the south, west, and, and, and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon, which, and that's basically a name for just a strong east wind in the Mediterranean. But again, a lot of these weather things, we don't think a lot about this stuff. Brother Eric, he's probably like all over it and eating this part, you know, stuff up. But, you know, and back then too, if you were uh, somebody who was involved, you know, in sailing, you know, you paid very close attention to all that. And there are, there's a lot of things in weather that are very predictable, but sometimes there's things where you're just not real sure. So they were, they were kind of taking a chance when they did this and it ended up backfiring on them. And then they did. They got the big Eurocladon and whatever, and it put them in a very dangerous situation. And we see, too, that, I mean, these storms were lasting days and weeks. I mean, this whole process, I'm not sure how much time it took, but it seems like this whole journey took months. So, I mean, this is just months of chaos, you know, and just trying to survive. I don't know. But again, if I'm the Apostle Paul, I'm probably having a bad attitude at this point. But you know what? We're at, we don't see that. And so in verse 15, it says, And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing, lest they should fall into quicksands, straight sail, and so were driven. So we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. <clears throat> and when neither the sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss. And I don't think what he's saying this here, again, I don't think he's doing this trying to punish them but he's trying to just let them know. It's time to listen to me. Okay? I've been respectful to you guys and you didn't pay attention to me last time, but it's time to start listening to what I've got to say. And, uh, and so he tells them, says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. 
Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, and it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast on a certain island. Now, I personally believe that when it says to, when Paul, when God, when he said, I'm giving you everybody in the ship, I think it meant it was going to save all their lives, and I think he was going to get them all saved. I, I personally think everybody on the ship got saved. Uh, and, you know, the Bible doesn't explicitly lay that out for us, but when you kind of look at the story, read between the lines, I think they did. I think they all, all got saved, and, uh, and that mattered a lot to Paul. Now, I don't believe they were all saved at that moment, at that point yet. But uh, notice, though, that when Paul does, when Paul gets a chance to speak to them, that he's, while storms are going on, while things are terrible, he kept talking about God through everything. He didn't make it about, no, I'm the guy you should listen to. I'm a smart guy. I've got all this education. I was right about this. No, you know what he's saying? He's giving glory to God. Hey, an angel of God told me. The God that I serve, the one that I belong to, he's the one that told me these things. And I'm telling you right now, nobody's life is going to die. He's being a good cheer. He wants to calm these people down. He wants to comfort them. Again, these people, I'd be thinking these people are my enemies. They're trying to take me before Caesar. I'm their prisoner. I hope they all die in in the you know you know in the ship and then i can i can go free that would probably be my attitude but that's not paul's attitude paul wants these people to be saved it says in verse 27 but when the 14th night was come as we were driven up and down in adria about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms and when they had gone a little further they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. And so when people saw an opportunity to just get out of that boat, which can you imagine after being on there for days like that and all these storms, that would be my attitude. I want out of that boat. I just want to, I just want to get on land. You know, I have a better chance of surviving that way. But the Paul made it clear that in order to survive, in order to make it, you got to stay in the boat. And again, I think too, the main reason for this, I don't believe these guys were stupid. I believe these guys were professional sailors. And based on everything that was happening and going on, they should have died. And I think they, they saw it coming. There's no way we can survive this. But the Apostle Paul knew they would be protected as long as they were in that boat because Paul was in that boat. And Paul knew he was going to stand before Caesar. He was told while he was in the boat by an angel, but he had been told even before that he was going to stand before Caesar. And so Paul, when we do, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, how the Apostle Paul, he was he was a man on a mission. He was not afraid. Paul didn't fear anything that was going to happen to him because he was so confident in the Word of God that even though people were trying to kill him, Paul's attitude is, can't be done. God said, I'm going to stand before Caesar. So at least until I get to Caesar, nothing can happen to me. And, you know, that's the way we need to be. Okay? And that, again, and, and I don't want to get into my message. I'm planning on preaching on Christmas Eve. But, you know, the fact that 
The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay? Folks, it, it is so comforting to just know that nothing can change that. You know, there's a lot of things that we can be threatened with, but we cannot be threatened with our soul. And you know how much that just calms me down? That I can't be threatened with hell. I'm thankful for that. There's a lot of religious people that are scared to death of hell. And they, they don't have that comfort. They don't have that joy. When I was over in Israel, uh, one of the stories I heard that was interesting when the, uh, I forgot what century it was, but during a time when the Muslims were, you know, occupying the Temple Mount area and they had specifically the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, and this was back way, you know, over a thousand years ago or about a thousand years ago. And the Pope wanted to get that church back. And he told all these soldiers and everything that if they would go to Jerusalem and get that church back, no purgatory, straight to heaven. And they went and they conquered it and they got it back. And it's just like, you know, you hear those stories like, you know, what a shame. You know, what a shame that is. And how sad it was that a, a church was able to have that kind of power over people. They could get people to go risk their lives thinking that will guarantee them into heaven. When the truth is, if they would have just put their faith in Christ, they would be guaranteed heaven. You don't have to go fight a battle. You don't have to go conquer a city to be guaranteed heaven. But yet, today, you got a lot of religious people, people sitting in church, scared to death of you know losing their, losing their soul. And what a shame that is. But the Apostle Paul hit... And notice, too, you know, because he is... He's so confident that he is, he is keeping a cool head in a situation where everybody else is freaking out, where everybody else, else is panicking. And I don't, again, I don't think he's just putting on a front so he can be an influence of these people. He just really believed these things. And so he tells them, again, in verse 31, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Now, again, is this talking about physical salvation or soul salvation? Ever thought about that? And I do. I think what he's saying here is clearly physical salvation, but at the same time, too, I think soul salvation is a part of it too. Now, if we were Ruckmanites, we would say this was another. You know, this was another way of salvation. That in order to get saved, it was like Noah's Ark. You had to get in the boat in order to be saved. You know, they'll say stuff like that. And here, you know, in order to get saved, this was a. Uh, you know. Uh, it, you know, the hyper dispensations, this was another dispensation where they've got to stay in the boat in order to be saved. But what's, what's he doing here? I think it's the same thing as when he told the Philippian jailer when he said, what must I do to be saved? That jailer might have been meaning physical salvation. But Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And not only did his soul get saved, but you know what? I believe his life got saved too. And I think Paul understood that, hey, if I'm going to get these people's souls, you know what? They're, they're not going to come to a place of faith if they leave this boat. And they're going to die if they leave this boat. And so again, I think there's a double meaning here. But Paul too, again, a lot of these people are soldiers. These are people holding them captive. But he cared more about their souls than his own personal situation. And so uh, I do believe, again, I believe that based on what we read in verse 25, where he says, uh-uh, or in verse uh, uh, verse 24, it says, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. 
I think it's kind of the same thing too. Remember when Jesus was praying, I don't have the verse in front of me, and he said, all that thou gavest me, I've lost none except for the son of perdition. And basically, I think that's just Jesus saying to God, you know, you've saved all of them except for Judas. Judas never got saved. But Judas was still alive during that time, wasn't he? He hadn't died yet, so Jesus hadn't lost him physically, but Judas was not saved, and so Jesus didn't really have him. And it's kind of using the same wording here, too, with the Apostle Paul, as he said, I'm giving you everybody in the ship. And I think it was, because Paul, you know, while I do think he cared about their physical lives, he cared way more about their souls. And I think it's clear, everywhere he went, he was always looking for souls, and without a doubt, he had probably prayed for every one of these people in the boat. And he just said, I'm giving you all, you're going to get all of them, Paul. They're, they're all yours, but they've got to stay in the boat. They've, they've got to stay with you because the divine protection is around you. And if they get away from you, then they're going to lose that protection. And then they're dead. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to send angels following them wherever they go. And so verse 20 or 32 says, then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And when the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your help. For there shall not an hair fall from your head of any of you. And notice how Paul not only is he just giving words of comfort, he's literally ministering to these people. He's, he's literally taking care of the people holding him captive. He's, look, he's looking out for them. Because again, you know, and I don't understand why these people are fasting that way. You know, if you're fighting a storm like that, you shouldn't be eating to keep your strength up. But again, these people, maybe that was their way of thinking that would gain them favor with their gods or whatever. I, I don't know exactly what the motivation was but the apostle paul he's looking out for these people and he understands you know what they need something right now they need something to eat and he's telling them this is for your health and we need to be the same way too folks when it comes if we're going to reach people we need to a lot of times be aware of their needs because sometimes too and i i get there's some things we can't help but people's personal needs crises whatever they're going through a lot of times those things will get in the way of them, you know, seeing the message of salvation. You know, when a person's, when you're hungry, what do you think of? Eating. You know, you, you can't help it. That's what you're always thinking of. And, you know, if people have, if people are really suffering with hunger, you have a much better chance of getting them to listen to you if you feed them. And so, you know what? Sometimes, you know, taking care of that need can help you win somebody to Christ. If somebody had, you know, maybe somebody's going through, you know, they have some kind of financial problem. Listen, financial burdens weigh on people in a horrible way. And listen, I know we can't go buying people's souls and uh, things like that, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of financial challenges and everything out there, but, you know, it's one of those deals, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know, and if you see an opportunity where you can be a help and a blessing and you can relieve someone's burden, understand you relieving their burden while, again, it's temporary. Okay? When Jesus fed the 5,000, they came back the next day looking for more bread. You know, but it, and, and sadly, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. 
about the spiritual things. That's too bad. But, but either way, he took care of that need to give him an opportunity to preach to him. And a lot of times you taking care of someone's need, you relieving somebody's burden, it may give you that opportunity to be a witness. And we ought to be looking for those opportunities. And, uh, I, I, and again, how to do that, when to do that, I think it's a matter of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I can't, I can't give you a list of times when it's good and when it's not good. You should always just, we should always be praying about things. Pray without ceasing. We should always be listening for the voice of God. We should always be look, listening for that still small voice. We should be watching for opportunities. And when you see somebody bearing a burden, when you see him carrying a weight, just understand you going and buying a bill or you know, paying one of their bills, buying them a meal or something like that, you're not going to fix their financial problems with that. But you can, might relieve a burden enough to where they will hear what you have to say. And it's just about looking out for people and caring. And again, you know, you know why we miss most opportunities to help people today? Because we don't care. That's why. That, that's why we're not observant. We just don't care. The Apostle Paul... He did exactly what needed to be done just because he cared. And that enabled him to see the needs that were there and he took care of it and he fed these people. He's literally ministering to their needs. So in verse 35, And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Well, you know, what's, what's he doing? He's like, all right, you know, I'm the one that got this food together. I'm the one that prepared everything. Guess what, folks? It's praying time. You know, what, what's he doing? Is he putting on a show? No, but you know what he was doing? He was glorifying God. He's like, I'm gonna, you know, we're going to take this time, and in front of all these people, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to praise God. And then he began to eat. He glorified God in front of all of them. He, and I believe he did it because it's always the right thing to do to glorify God. I think it's a good thing to pray before you eat, to thank God, to ask Him to bless the food. But at the same time, too, He's doing this to let these people know why they're still alive. Hey, have you noticed everybody in this boat is kind of panicking right now? Everybody in this boat's freaking out, but we've got one guy that's got a cool head. We've got one guy that's calm. We've got one guy that's actually taking care of everybody else. You know, one guy that's not panicking. And just like panic can spread... Sometimes that person being calm and being cool can spread too. And so these people, they're paying attention and Paul's taking advantage of this opportunity. It's like, all right, I got these people calm down. I got them ready to eat. Before you eat, folks, let's pray. Let's talk to God. And he did it in front of them all. And then and look at this in verse 36. Then were they all of good cheer and they also took some meat. Paul influenced others with his spirit instead of them influencing him. That's the way it's supposed to go. We need to be, and I, I, I get it, you might not be, have the type of personality where you just, you know, dominate things, but you know what? We need to try to be the, you know, I, I've heard, it, heard people say it this way. You need to be a thermostat Christian, not a thermometer. Okay? And the thermometer, it just you know, goes off whatever the temperature in the room is. But the thermostat, that controls the temperature. And that's how we need to be. Okay? We can't just go along with the mood of the world. You know, in our, in our country, when things are crazy, when things are chaotic, 
You know, do we just go along and panic with everybody else? Or do we keep a cool head through everything? That's what we try to do during all the COVID craziness. What did, what, what did we try to do here? Well, everybody's freaking out and acting like lunatics. We tried to just act like nothing was wrong. You know why? Because, first off, panic wasn't helping anything. You know, and so what we tried to do the best that we could is just to show people, hey, you can still live a normal life. You can still act normal. You can still go out and breathe and not be scared of other people. And I mean, that's, you know, what, what were we trying to do? We were trying to set the temperature in this area. We're trying to set the mood. And I'm telling you, you know, something I think we need to work on around here. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I need to, I need to preach a sermon on that. But it's like, we, I really think we need to actively, purposefully, strategically figure out ways to change the culture of this area because I'm sick of this northern culture where we're not friendly, where we don't talk to people, where we don't smile. Like down south, it's just when you go down south, people talk to each other, people smile more. And it is, it, it's, it's, the, it's the culture. Out here, you know, or down south, you go down there, you start eating somewhere and strangers will start talking to you and just having conversations. Up here, you try doing that, people give you a dirty look. Like, like, leave me alone. You know what? I'm sick of that. But you know what? Are we going to let just a bunch of Yankees, you know, determine our culture? Or are we going to change it? I don't know. I, I, I think we need to work on that. I think, I think we need to just like purposefully. I don't know. We might get run out of town. People think we're total weirdos. But you know what we just need to start doing? Like when you go out to eat, just make it a point. I am going, we are going to start a conversation with somebody at another table. And you all look freaked out by that right now. You know why? Because you're all a bunch of Yankees. You stinking Yankees. You let this culture rub off on you. If I said that down south, they'd be like, that's what we do every week. That's what we do every time we go out there. You know, that's how it is. But it's also more pleasant there. And, but uh, that's another sermon for another day. But, but what I'm saying is we've got, to, we've got to learn to take over the mood. We've got to set the, the temperature. We need to be the ones doing that. We can't let our world do that. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. Everyone's down. Everyone's scared. Everyone's fasting. Everyone's hungry. Everybody's weak. Paul comes along and says, all right, folks, this, it's time to change some things. You guys, time to do some eating. Everything's going to be okay. God's with us. You stay in the boat. You're going to be fine. Here, eat some food. It'll make you feel better. We're going to take some time. We're going to pray. We're going to thank God. We're going to give Him some glory. And before you know it, they're all of good cheer. Because of Paul just because of him. And so we've got to be that influence and we got, and we got to lose this Yankee Northern unfriendly attitude. And uh, again, that's another sermon for another day. We're going to figure out how to do it. We've got to change. We've got to change this area. It says, and when we were on the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat and to see, and that's a lot of people on a ship for back then. That's a big ship they had back then. 276 people uh, in that boat. And it says, when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with the shore into the which when they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a trance where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast, 
and remain unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. So that's kind of the policy they have. I don't know that somebody made the command right then or if that's just the policy. Hey, the ship's crashed. We can't let the prisoners go. We're going to have to kill them all. That, that, that's the protocol for a situation like this. But notice, the, but the centurion willing to save Paul. I bet Paul was glad he was nice to that guy. I bet Paul was glad he was you know, helpful to this guy and had a good attitude. And, you know, they didn't care about the other prisoners. But again, everybody loved Paul. Because Paul loved everybody. Paul was good to everybody. Paul took care of everybody. And, it, and so the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they, that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. And so notice, Paul, so again, the Apostle Paul, you know, his attitude, you know, it, it changed the heart of these soldiers, of this centurion, and not only did it save his own life, it saved the life of the other prisoners too. All these lives, and, and every, all the lives in this boat were saved just because of the Apostle Paul. And again, there's no doubt Paul prayed for this. This is what Paul wanted. Paul's focus... Through all of this, it was on his mission. You know, Paul didn't think, well, you know what? I've been working hard. I've been going through all these battles, serving the Lord, traveling from place to place. You know, I'm in prison now. I can take a vacation now from witnessing. I mean, I, I'm a prisoner. What else, what else can I do? No, Paul still stayed focused. Paul kept thinking about souls. When Paul's in prison, he's singing. He's getting, he's getting the jailer saved. Just everywhere he goes, he's getting people saved. And folks, that's how we need to be. That needs to be our focus. And I thank God for you know, some of the people that I've known over the years and just you know, faithful missionaries, faithful pastors, even faithful laymen who they were just always thinking about souls, where they're always witnessing to people, whether it be a waitress at a restaurant, whether it be uh, you know, the, the worker at a hotel lobby or something like that, whether it just be a nurse in the hospital. I, I hear stories all the time of you know, different people while they were in the hospital. What are they doing? They're witnessing the nurses. I mean, boy, if there's ever a time to feel sorry for yourself, wouldn't it be when you're in a hospital and you've had surgery or something? But what are these people doing? Like, I can still be a witness. And that's the, that's the great thing about what we have been called to do. First off, I mean, winning souls is the greatest work that anyone can do. It has, it has eternal value. And, it, and it's literally something, as long as you have a voice, as long as you're able to talk, you can be a witness. And that's exactly what guys like Paul did, and they are always most effective people. And we've got to have that attitude. Soul winning can't just be something that we do during soul winning time on Saturday and Sunday. Soul winning is something that we, we ought to do. And, and, you know, and we don't want to have the attitude too, well, we, we're, you know, we're always soul winning. If you don't have a soul winning time, eventually you're just not going to ever go soul winning. You know, but at the same time, you know, you, you can go into a ditch on either side, you know, where you only go, you're only thinking about soul winning during soul winning time, and you're not thinking about all the other opportunities that you have just interacting with people. But you have some people there, they use the fact that they supposedly do that 
as an excuse to never go out for regular soul winning time. You know, and that's that's not right either. But at the end of the day, if you have if you if you do if you just truly stay focused, if you if you have a heart for people, then that is going to be in the forefront of your mind, and you will be effective. You will know what to do. But sadly, most of the time, people they do they just kind of they lose that mission. They get sidetracked. They get so caught up in what's going on in their own life. And folks, I, I get it. Life gets challenging sometimes. I mean, the, the, we, we all have burdens. We have things that we're going through. But we can't forget about other people. Paul, without a doubt, had a lot going on negative for him. First off, he's in a horrible storm too. But you know, everybody else is in a storm. You know, but Paul is a prisoner, so he's worse off. But it didn't matter. Paul still focused on other people. And you know what? Whatever you're going through, just understand the rest of the world's going through too. You know what? Joe Biden's a president for everybody else in this country too. And you know, just like he is for you. And it stinks. J.B. Pritzker is everybody's governor in this state. And yeah, we don't like it, but they, they got to deal with it too. And you know what? what we need to do? We need to care more about other people's situation than our own. And let me just say this too. There's something about taking care of other people's needs that causes you to forget about your own needs and your own problems. And uh, and I'm telling you, one of the reasons most people just can't get victory is because they're only thinking about their their own problems. And I'm telling you, I just you know you always hear people say God takes care of those who take care of themselves. I think He takes more care of those who are taking care of others. And I think that's the attitude we need to have. And so if, you are, if you're struggling, why don't you try taking care of somebody else? What, you know, if, you're, if you feel like, man, I really need God to be, pay attention to me right now, then why don't you start paying attention to other people? And if God sees you taking care of other people, you know what? God's going to take care of the one that's getting things done for his sheep. That needs to be your attitude. So, so it's hard for us to imagine in this story the kind of peril that all these men went through. But at the end of the day, not only did Paul get through this peril, this peril, but he got everyone else through it. Because and why? Just because he believed God's words. And and remember, these guys are professionals. This is one of the reasons I think they got saved. They because because of the fact they did they listened to what Paul said. They believed Paul. And I imagine if they believed what Paul was saying about the storm, about how to survive. You know what? I'll bet they believe Paul when he told them about Jesus. And I do. I, I believe all these all these people got saved. But how often, though, do we let circumstances negatively affect our spirit and sidetrack us from our mission? You know how many people that you know they I got to I got to take a break from soul winning. I got to take a break from church. I got to take a break from the things of God because I got this stuff going on in my life. Man, don't take a break. That's, that's, that's the worst thing you can do. You need God helping you right now. And yet, and yes, it's, it's not God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who are helping other people. And God took care of Paul in this situation because there were 276 other souls on that boat that needed saved. And Paul was taking care of them. And Paul was going to go stand before Caesar. God had a bunch of people in Rome that he wanted, he wanted them to hear what Paul had to say. 
And God knew if I get Paul there, Paul's going to do my work for me. And so Paul took care of him. And that's what you need to do. If, if, you, if you need something from God, if you're going through a tough time, you need his attention, take care of other people. Think about other people. Do God's work for other people. And God's, God's going to take care of you. Nobody wants to let go of that employee that's profitable for the company. You want to take care of that guy. You want to keep him happy. And if you're being profitable for the kingdom of God, if you're bringing people to Christ and making a difference in people's lives, God's going to want to take care of you. And so make sure you learn from Paul and just keep that focus on the mission throughout all the storms. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. Thank you so much for this uh, wonderful story we have of Paul, Lord. It's, a, it's a, such an amazing story of just how you preserved his life and the lives of every single person on that boat. And I pray you'll help us to uh, just be as focused as the Apostle Paul when it comes to souls. Help us not to miss opportunities to be a witness and to make a difference. I pray you'll help us to uh, be like Paul and just set the mood of the people around us and the people in our communities and our uh, where we work and in our families and help us to just really be that light like he was. Help us to be just so focused on helping others that uh, we forget that we even have any problems. And I pray you'll uh, give us victory. In your name we pray. Amen.